Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, John. How the heck are you doing? Pretty good. Glad to hear it. Hey, you know, uh, not many people know, but, you know, we have a podcast and they may have accidentally ended up here and they don't know what the heck it is. Can you believe that? Oh, that could happen. Yeah, I think I think so. So let's just cover our bases and get this out of the way. You know, I would say set your stopwatch, but you know what? I have to talk in a way that people can understand it. So I'm going to, I'm just going to take my time, walk through the intro to the show. I'm sure everyone's going to be fine, including myself, but we are two actual brothers united by common parentage. And my name is Jerry. And my name is John. And we are the bro show. We talk about four things every Saturday morning at approximately between 7.30 and 8 o'clock in the morning. And here it is, 7.53, and we're going to talk about those four things. And one of those things is an animal. And every Mm -hmm. six months, we choose a new animal. And six months ago, almost, we chose to do a whole six-month season on one animal. And that animal is the whale. So we have a whale Mm -hmm. story. We have a whale story. Then number two, we have a word. Something that came up during our research or something that unites or combines our whale story with another segment of our show, which is called Two Takes. It's two brothers who are going to talk about two things, who naturally look at things from different points of view. So we're going to do that. Then the last thing we do is something you really like. Groaners. Mm. Mm. Bad jokes, bad jokes, whatever you want to call them. They are kind of funny. They're really funny, actually. I like the groaners. So we got, we got two groaners that we're going to trot out mm. this week. So that's what we're going to do. That's the show. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next week. No. Oh, oops. Two. We got a little more. Sure. Yeah. How much more? Oh, a lot. About 20 minutes. About 20 minutes. All right. So that's that's where I stand on that. Do you have any questions for me, John? Yeah, what are you wearing? Okay, uh, I'm going to above limit. The board, above, the, above the belt, uh, please. Uh, okay. Well, I don't wear a belt, but if I did, I would be wearing a T-shirt, a Bro Show T-shirt. One mm, yeah. that features a rat. Hey, good. That's a nice one. Postage stamp. Oh, good. The rat. Graphic stolen. From a U.S. postage stamp. Legally. Fair game. Fair game. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh. I, I love this t-shirt. It's perhaps my softest t-shirt, and that may be because I've watched, washed the heck out of it. And wow. I, I wouldn't want to say. Wouldn't want to say. Yeah. Yep. That's going on. Well, hey, we have a sponsor. We have a sponsor, don't we? Or do we? Yeah. Or what do you wear? What do you wear? I have a t-shirt, too, by the way. I just thought I'd let you know that. Oh, come on. You don't really want to know, do you? Season of the Whale. No. www.bro.show. <gasps> Bro.show. Our URL. Wow. That is wonderful. You're wearing you're wearing a whale shirt. Yeah, gray. Dark charcoal type. Soft. Wow. Wow. Impressive. It always catch, like kept, captures somebody's interest. Yeah, it's a beautiful t-shirt. I like that t-shirt, too. Yeah. You're the, okay. you're the only one who has one. In the whole world. Right, it's a it's unique. It's a, it's a collectible. Mm. 
So yeah, limited, very limited edition. All good. Sponsor. So we do have a sponsor. Save the Whales are, is our sponsor. It's a 501c3 um, nonprofit organization established 1977 with, with the mission to educate and do special projects as it relates to keeping these wonderful animals alive and kicking. Formed uh, by a, a woman by the name of Maris Stiddenstacker uh, at the age of 14, decided she wanted to, you know, get some cash together so she could move on with this cause and did something near and dear to our hearts. Decided yeah. to gather some revenue through the sale of T-shirts. What? Yeah, the T-shirt economy. Yep, and they, of course, this place has met the test of time, still going strong. Uh, primarily located in the specific uh, region, uh, SoCal, and mm. uh, they're doing a great job. And uh, and the fact is that they they've got an outstanding uh, line of swag merchandise uh, concentrated with the t-shirts. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think you might actually have one of their t-shirts, don't you? Maybe you can give us a little idea how good their stuff is yes i have one of these t-shirts and you know what it is one of only a couple t-shirts that i have that sport long sleeves Ooh, yeah 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 Yeah. and so this is not the time of year in austin texas to wear this t-shirt oh you'd be wearing it i'm sure i would be i love this t-shirt and uh but Come September, when the weather changes, I will be wearing this T-shirt again because I like the color. I like the fabric. I like the fit. I like the fact that it's got a URL running down the arm. Yeah. It's unusual, and it's beautiful. And thanks for sending that down here, John. I know you got it and it didn't fit, and I got it. So Yeah, it wasn't out of the kindness of my heart. I just thought, what the hell? It doesn't fit me. Might as well give it to somebody. Sounds good. Hey, uh, you know, we do have a pretty good whale story this week. When we've talked about other animals, we've kind of been able to find a restaurant theme. One of our best was the ox. Ox, we were able to find many restaurants with the name ox in them, uh, implying a strong, stable, reliable uh, restaurant. Not necessarily that served ox. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. So I figured, what the heck, I'll take a look and see what I could come up with, uh, a whale-themed restaurant. And as I did my investigation, I determined that there are a lot of restaurants out there that have whale in their name. And yeah. whether it be sometimes the uh, tail of the whale uh, is a good example of one. But I found that mostly, you know, you can't go uh, to a restaurant and say, by the way, I'd like to order a uh, whale chowder. Uh, that doesn't exist because you don't you can't eat whale anymore. So usually it's a seafood theme. Uh, and of course, other restaurants might use the the broader definition of whale where you're not like a uh, being large, big, great. So I ran into one called Whale of a Deli. And uh, that, that was just an mm. indication of that. It was just a, a powerful, really great restaurant. But I did finally run into something a little bit unique. I found a restaurant that had the name The Whale. And I looked at it and I said, wait a minute, I don't think there's seafood involved in this. Uh, And so as I took a look, and it was actually a restaurant located here in Chicago, not too far from 
where I live. So I thought, well, I'll just take a little trip out there and see what it's all about. And found out that it uh, that the restaurant actually is one of several that this owner has with the with his organization called Legacy Hospitality. And what they're interested in is a 50s glamour uh, and primarily with Las Vegas theme. And I talked to the uh, the actual uh, number one first employee that was employed by this organization Whoa. that has it. And her, her name is Kim, and she is the beverage director. And she says, "Yeah, we we had a little trip. We took that me and the the, the founder of the restaurant out to Vegas." And kind of got enthralled in all the, the Vegas scene, particularly with the older side of it, as it relates to some of the uh, the original gambling that went on there and sort of uh, the entertainers and the sports, et cetera. So they decided that they were going to have a series of theme restaurants, of which their most recent is the Whale. And so what does that mean? Yeah. Well, they decided they wanted to have a restaurant that was a little bit catered to something very special. And in the gambling industry, the whale is what you would call the highest of the high rollers. That is the the person who basically uh, the industry takes a look at and says, hey, here's a person who's got so much money that putting down millions of dollars over a weekend really doesn't make or break them. And they lose a lot of money. So therefore, they're good customers. But what they do expect out of that from the restaurant, the casino, wherever they go, is that they are going to give the ultimate in service. They're going to get all the comps. They're going to be the ones who get the, the, the number one suite in the hotel, the best food in the restaurant, etc. So what they did is they decided to call their restaurant The Whale so that this would uh, you know, be an indication of, of the top-end quality that we have. Now, I went to it, and I was expecting – Maybe, oops, I, 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 I might not have the dress code. I have my blue jeans on, this or that. But it has a very casual atmosphere to it. Oh. But I've heard from people that have gone to this restaurant, uh, the, the, the Whale, and they say that in particular their food is it's a, it's above bar food. It's not what you call four-star restaurant stuff. But if you want to get a nice solid brunch, a good place to go on a Saturday or Sunday. And I've gotten a thumbs up from uh, several foodies, uh, including uh, Gratopedia. Bredopedia, yeah, bread Ooh. is knowledgeable. Hey, John, a question about that. Do they have like a buffet or is it off the menu or both? It's off the menu. It's a, it's a, it's a menu brunch. It's not a buffet. It's, it's brunch. So it's, oh, okay. it's a special menu they put out with, with breakfast items that they okay. do on Saturday and Sunday. And it's actually kind of, if you're a little bit on the, their, their main thing is to cater to younger people, particularly at night. So, uh, they, they'll do like jazz, uh, pop, you know, like stuff, uh, popular oh. jazz okay. or et cetera for the various entertainment. And, uh, but d- during the day, they're only open uh, early on Saturday and Sunday. So if you're not interested in getting caught up in the, in the young crowd, which can be a little wild and crazy if you're later in the day, uh, the best bet is to go there on a Saturday and Sunday. And that's, it apparently fits the bill. Now, their original restaurant, uh, they've had the, the their series of restaurants starts back seven years ago when they made that trip to Las Vegas. But their their the restaurant that that I went to yesterday and talked to the beverage director is called the Vig V I G. What? It also the V I G. Oh. And of course, I took a look and said, you know, question mark, what's that all about? Yeah. And I guess you've done the research on it, and perhaps that can lead us 
from the season, from the, the whale story, to our word. Okay, this is an interesting word, and this won't take long, but it's meaningful. I've heard this word repeatedly in movies where there's loan sharking or gambling going on. I know. You're saying, Jerry, why are you watching stuff like that? There really should be some kind of a code. So I know when movies have objectionable content, but fortunately we live in wild, crazy times, and there just isn't anything like that. So I ended up hearing this word for the first time, oh, I'd say 15 years ago. And the vig is short for vigorish, vigorish. And Mm. I think to myself, is that like a way of saying somebody has great vigor? No. No, Jerry, that's not the case. You dolt. Vigorish mm. is a word of, believe it or not, Ukrainian or Russian extraction. And it is a charge taken as by a bookie or a gambling house on bets. Mm-hmm. Loan sharking, it's the usurious interest charged, which is very high. Weekly, usually. So, vigorish is a long version of the word vig, and it's almost always called the vig, the take. The take, that's another word for it, too. That's that's oh. what I got to say about it, John. What do you think? Well, is that, did I cover sounds it? Sounds good. You got, you, I think you, you know covered what? all the bases. Do you, know, do you know when this word first came into use? Uh, no, I don't, but I'm... Uh, yeah, well, I you willing to hear it? I can. Yeah, I'm willing to hear it. Let's hear it. 1912. 1912. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's it, John. That's all I've got for a word. I think I've got the ball all teed up. <laughs> teed up for the uh, the topic we have, and the topic is the Hayes Code. Now, that is has to do with respect to a self-regulation body that existed for quite a period of time in the movie industry, in the movie history. And, you know, as we take a look at what we got today, which actually starts back in 1968 with the rating system, we've got the G's, the PG, 13's, the PG's, we got the NC-17's, we got the R's, got all these ratings. But those have been only in existence, like I said, since 68. So where do we have to to get on the way back machine to really start Uh to understand where the regulation of the movie industry takes place. And you find that there's just various influences that take place, whether it be the technology, whether it be social progressive measures or reforms, or whether it be the almighty dollar, or it be government regulation. All these things are the dynamics that play into what has made the regulation or um, of the of the industry what it is today. So we have to go way back to the fact that in 1897, somebody decided to take a film of a boxing match uh, by heavyweight champion uh, Jim Corbett and Bob Fitzsimmons. The problem was that boxing was banned in 49, uh, excuse me, 47 of the 48 states. Actually, back in 1897, there weren't even 48 states. What? Yeah. So there was only one state in in the United States that allowed boxing, and that's where this boxing match took place in Carson City, California, uh, Nevada. And but they filmed it. So all of a sudden somebody says, wait a minute. You, does that does that mean that you can't show the film, too? And before we know it, we've got uh, we've got the question of regulating film as as a problem. So we start there. 
And where do we go with it? Well, uh, by the time uh, 1907, 1908, we've got actual a lot more films out there. And the question becomes, well, how are we going to regulate this? And it starts at sort of a city level with New York and Chicago having their own review boards. And the industry takes a look at this and says, wait a minute, this this is going to get complicated. It's going to be costly. How do we know that our movies are going to be shown, et cetera? The other thing that takes place is the Supreme Court comes up with a decision that says, hey, yeah. you know what? This, is, this isn't this is freedom of speech here. This is a business. So, therefore, yeah. you can be rela- regulated. regulated. So, then yeah. we get into the 20s. And the 20s mm. pose another issue because things get a little free and easy. By that time, the movie industry has is, is moved from the Midwest and Chicago all the way out to Hollywood. And yep. with it in the 20s becomes a lot of scandals, such as the Fatty Arbuckle scandal of 1922. The industry oh. basically has a very bad, bad, bad image. And mm-hmm. put that with the, the fact that we've also the pressure to then do some government regulation takes place. And it's not getting any better. So what the industry decides to do, the movie industry, the, the four or five big studios, decides to hire a person by the name of William Hayes, who has a lot of ins with the government. He was a postmaster general in the Hardy's, uh, William, uh, Warren Hardy uh, administration, and he seems to have a lot of ins. So they felt that they could keep the Fed regulation at bay away from him for a while. And at the same time, what he did is he was responsible for putting together what they call a, a list of do's and don'ts as it relates to what we can do in movies and what we can't. And those are things such as, uh, you know, romance, uh, love leads to marriage, crime leads to punishment are some mm. examples of the, the kind of thing. So it's going beyond just looking yeah. at nudity, language, et cetera. It's a very broad mm. thing. So mm. they, they come up with this. And the problem is, though, it doesn't have any bite. Uh, it can't be it, it isn't being enforced very, very much. So we get to 1930 and technology starts to play into a little bit because we get into the sound mo- movies. We get moved from silence to talkies. And we take another look at the industry and say, well, wait a minute. Now that people can talk in the movies, that creates another issue with respect to, well, we don't we have to worry about kids because with silent movies, they'd have to read to read what's going on sometimes. So that creates another pressure. We still then got the fact that religion starts playing in it. And the Catholic Church says, look, oh. you guys aren't quite doing the job you need to do here. We're going to create the Legion of Decency here, which is going, mm-hmm. we are going to take a look at your movies and we're going to decide whether they can be uh, shown or not. That wow. was the pressure of the Depression, realizing that, look, you know, our industry is not exactly doing as good as it, it was in the 20s. Because of the depression, they realized that the that this uh, Hayes code that they had needed to be enforced. So what were they going to do to enforce it? Was they were going to get and look at the movie scripts and the movies that were being made, and be influential as to what is the behavior, what is the content of those movies. So the directors, the ones who were making the movies, had to be aware of the fact that they would have to pass. The, the 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 Hayes code that now is being uh, and before mm. they could hit the hit the screens. So right, right, right. Yeah. So this all takes place mm. through the 30s, 40s. A little bit of pressure being put on the fact that you know some producers are saying, look, you're you're a little too tight with this. We had a fellow by the name of Howard Hughes came up with a movie with Jane Russell. 
that pushed the envelope a little bit with respect to showing some of her uh, upfront, uh, uh, you know, well, whatever, her physical and, well, well, she looked really nice. So uh, that, plus we had a couple other out of Primager through the 50s, you know, just kind of pushing it a little bit in terms of the uh, illicit sex. We have then drugs was also a taboo. Before you know it, we have a movie with Sinatra that has drug addiction. So you see the push going on there. We have another thing taking push. place. What's that? The industry is also being threatened again through technology by something calling television. So they're feeling the pressure of the fact that they can't. In addition, another thing takes place on the law front. The Supreme Court uh, decides that the – well, actually, it's the Federal Trade Commission decides that the movie industry has a vertical monopoly. The studios actually own the theaters. So they could control what was being shown, but they said, you're going to have to divest yourself of those theaters. All of a sudden, the theaters don't have to necessarily follow the code. And, well, where are they going to get their product? Well, at the same time, yeah. we've, got, we've got the foreign overseas. movies becoming overseas. We've got the, the Italian uh, neorealism. We've got the French New Wave happening, all culminating with, by 1960, even the Brits were getting involved with showing, uh, having movies such as uh, Blow Up, which has got a lot of sexual promiscuity, et cetera, in it. So put those, put all those pieces together, and we find that the that the Hayes Code is kind of going by the wayside. But you need to understand that what has happened here is when you look at the movies of the 40s, you need to look then with a different lens and realize that those movies were made with the idea that you know crime doesn't pay, uh, you know yep. love results in marriage, etc. And that's the, the way it's, it, it's all going to play out. And so we don't have the code anymore. And what we have to do is we actually place the pressure upon the movie viewers to decide whether they're going to go to the movie not, or not by these different ratings that we have. And also the pressure on parents to decide whether their children should go, et cetera. Uh, one other thing of technology I'd like to, uh, to, to mm -hmm. explain is that we've also got we ended up having VHS. So we have, and that also plays an effect with a little bit more freedom as to what's going to be shown. We've got in the eight, you know, then we, of course, we moved to the age of the internet. So, so these technical, yeah. technological advancements have also put a lot more pressure on the way that we take a look and view at movies. So that's, uh, takes us through the whole wow. ball of wax. Wow. <clears throat> wow. That's extraordinary. Yeah. I did my, my contribution to this topic is, Hayes, not many people know this, is spelled H-A-Y-S. There's no E. It's not H-A-Y-E-S. No, and I live in Hayes County, spelled H-A-Y-S. Oh, let's, yeah. 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 That's a tough one. It is. Now, I just want to point out, there's no relationship whatsoever between this proper gentleman who headed up the Hayes Commission and... John Coffey Hayes, who founded, or, you know, the namesake of Hayes County. Yeah, none at all. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call him proper gentleman. He was involved in the teapot scandal and basically got was fired as the, uh, he, he, he caught the heat of the Warren, of the Warren Harding administration, which ran into a lot of scandal problems. And I well, guess he landed yeah. on his feet. I mean, he got a job for $150,000 a year with the movie industry. So I guess... He well, that was, was a lot of money back then. That was a lot yeah, of money. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. Um, well, 
my yeah, guy so. was a Texas Ranger and served under Sam Houston as president of the Republic of Texas. He was uh, the Texas Rangers guy. Oh, so, you win. You win. You win. Yeah. Very colorful. Very colorful. Yeah. And also sounds a little bit more proper than Hayes with the without the E. By, by, by Texas. Yeah. By Texas standards, he was a proper gentleman, which means he could have been a total rapscallion and he would have well, been yeah, la- lauded, lauded. Okay. 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 Sounds how, good. How about a couple of groaners? Groaners. Hey, I think we, you know, I decided to go with the restaurant theme and uh, with oh. some groaners. So okay. it's amazing how many restaurants are out there that have these cutesy names. But if you take a look at them, you can actually, if you kind of do a, a, a wordsmithing, you can make them into a, a groaner. So I've got what I call restaurant puns, restaurant named puns. So here we go. Okay, I'm, I'm ready. What do you call a New York fish and chips restaurant with an organized crime theme? What do you call a New York fish and chips restaurant with an organized crime theme? Sleep with the fishes. I'll give you some partials. The Codfather. <laughs> Codfather. That's very good. And by the way, okay. the offer, the offer, the show about the making of the Godfather just ended uh, 9-4 last. Oh, that's right. You're, you're young. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I look yeah, forward to watching good. that. Okay, here's our second one. This one is one that I, I it seems to stick with me so much. What do you call an Asian noodle restaurant with a bondage theme? What do you call an Asian noodle restaurant with a bondage theme? Wow. <laughs> I love this. This Man. and this is a real name of a restaurant. This is not I'm right. I, I'm not even gonna try and guess. I'm not gonna pretend okay, called my tie me up. Okay. T H I, right? T H A I, T H A I. Tiny up. Wow. Yeah, that's that a real, very that's a real good. Thai restaurant name. Really? Where? Yeah. Where? Uh, I could look it up on the internet. I don't remember exactly where it's located, but there is a restaurant with the name Tiny Up, and it basically you look at it and you see a person in, in the in, you know the an illustration with him having uh, his hands roped with no, Tiny with Up. Noodle? With a large noodle? With a noodle, probably a large, very uh, strong noodle. Yeah, that reminds me of a topic I was forbidden discussing today, but that's okay. I'll get over it. 